0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Tapping Up podcast with myself, Daryl, and as always, Ian. Uh, you'll have noticed we've been a bit lax recently, uh, and there's uh, been a bit of a gap. We give you a bit of a special, obviously, about Jurgen Klopp, and, and I'm sure that's put you on, but the first main episode in a couple of weeks now.
1: New job, uh, demanding, in not it? Um, you know, you can, is it allowed official for share your news of you also having a new I, I job? Do.
0: Yeah, people um, are aware of it now, so we can talk about it. The, the notice has been handed in, and such so it's uh...
1: so new job for you. So you're probably working like a slave to get finish off all of uh, your little bits and bobs before you hand over. When's your last official day?
0: Twenty uh, sixth, I think it is of Feb. Um, we'll both be working in town now, me and you. So inevitably, I'm sure there'll be a live tapping up podcast on a Friday night when we're absolutely sloshed somewhere.
1: I've already met. Uh, I've got two friends uh, at work who love their drinks, and the amount of liquid lunches I've already had. Where (laughs) I just go out at twelve o'clock, have three pints, and come back. And I did uh, that's I think happened three times this week. So um, yeah, you'll be back straight into the uh, the world of liquid lunches um, because you're going to be working not not far down the road from me, are you?
0: I mean, you have Guinnesses though, don't you? So it's different because your liquid lunch is actually substantial and could probably pass off as a meal. Whereas I would have a, a cause or something, or, you know, like an IPA, which is never going to put me on for the rest of the day. Cruising back
1: to the office, reeking of booze as the new guy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah but, last uh, one day and gone. Oh, I mean, the, the guy I go out with is like an animal. He must have like hollow legs. The amount he can drink and how quickly he can drink them is insane. He's, uh, he's a machine but um, yeah, enjoying being back in town working is good. Uh, costs a fucking fortune for lunches though. You forget your lunch and uh, you have to pop out and get something. It costs uh, my uh, credit cards taking a in for food. But um, all so good. you can't,
0: can't go out anymore because uh, you've spent too much on boots meal deals.
1: Well, As opposed, as opposed to where, where we used to be, we had the option of Subway or a Tesco meal deal. <laughs> You're suddenly uh, rich with the full options of Leeds that Centre. sent us. So uh, you suddenly think, oh, can I be bothered with a fucking BLT sandwich or shall I have something, some fancy Chinese food or all these? There's, there's too many choices. But so, yeah, I would definitely uh, I, I've, I've had to scale back and try and do some batch cooking because I'm just spending a fortune on lunches at the moment.
0: I'll stick to my unbuttered ham sandwiches, and then I'll be <laughs> a bit absolutely fine then.
1: Back um, to those days, the, the good old days.
0: The poor days. Uh, we've obviously missed quite a bit in terms of the last few weeks. Um, I mean, we didn't even cover Strickland, did we? And his loss uh, and his, his bit of a breakdown in the subsequent weeks, which... I suppose we could quickly go over. Um, it was it was a fairly comprehensive win for me. I know we had a bit of a disagreement of whether it were a three two or whether it wasn't.
1: Yeah, I, 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 when I watched it, uh, I didn't get up for that one, but I did watch it. I thought it was. I saw it was one of those where I'd seen all the result, I'd seen all the talk about it first, and that it was you know a robbery and um, you know how unjust it was when I actually watched it, you, you said it was super convincing. I think Diplessis did win, but it was closer than, um, I can't remember. Did he only get it? I can't even remember. I did actually have, from where we missed an episode, the notes written down about it. Um, I had it as forty-eight forty-seven, but I don't know what the actual judges gave it.
0: It was, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was forty-eight forty-seven. The way that it, when I say it was comprehensive, it was in that, I think he won the three rounds that he won quite comfortably and and I could easily say, yeah, he's won. And I don't think there was any real um, controversy as much as people like to make it. And I know that Strickland has uh, a plethora of a certain type of fans who like to rile things up and think that because of the comments that he makes, it's him against the world and it's his fans against the world. But I think it was quite an obvious Three-two fight, and in terms of rounds, I don't think there really was much dispute in it.
1: I quite I quite enjoyed the the respect between them afterwards as well. Given all the bad mouthing, you know, uh, Deplessis did come out and say, you know, you're a decent fighter. You made me brought the best out of me, which I always think is when there's been a bit of bad bad blood in the build up to have the um, respect to know that you know what fighters that go through the training camps and things like that. It's kind of a nice way to sort of ultimately say, well, we settled it in the in the cage. We can drop all the the shit talk now. So I, I was quite impressed because he's a bit of a twat or can come across as a bit of a twat, de Plessie. But um, he went up in my estimations when he came out and kind of said that afterwards.
0: The main reason that I mentioned him, obviously, other than the fact that obviously we haven't covered it as of yet. And I mean, we've pretty much covered it in that little short period there, which is unlike us. It's normally something that we ramble on about. He's been in the news again as strickland uh, over the last couple of days one because he went up to machine gun kelly and called him a little weirdo or something like that they just started abusing him um no idea why uh, each their own i mean jealousy because he's
1: got the hottest wife in the world maybe <laughs> yeah, i have say. had to guess fucking megan fox
0: <laughs> almost certainly um and then he's also been in the news because he sparred a i believe a streamer that calls himself sneaker and this is something that you you probably need to watch. Um, he had a sparring match with someone who has absolutely no skill whatsoever in MMA, no skill in boxing. It was a boxing match. And this sneaker is like trying to do something to Strickland. Obviously, Strickland is, is the superior fighter. There's no question about that. Strickland kind of eases off for a bit and lets him do what he wants. And then the last 30 seconds of the fight, he starts beating the shit out of him. And it's to the point where like, people are throwing towels in asking him to stop and he's just not stopping and there's like blood streaming down this sneaker's face it's... You
1: know, kind of, it's probably like strickland's not the type of person that would do that without this guy probably calling him out and i think i sent you a video from about two or three weeks ago where a fan had said he would take him on didn't he and got in the cage with him and you just got the shit being out like what that's like me and to saying hey francis <laughs> I reckon I can beat you. Let's, let's get in the round. Let's get in the ring. It's just what a moronic thing to do.
0: 20 seconds later, you just laid out on the concourse. Watching
1: 20 seconds. would be lucky. That's including the 10 count, I would have thought. But uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just, uh, these people, like, I don't know. I think these YouTubers and the youth of today. Influencers. They, just, they, they, they get a few people watching their fucking streams on Minecraft and shit. And all of a sudden, <laughs> they think they can fight a professional fighter. Like, do me a favor.
0: It is. It's one of those that, like I said, watch it after this if you haven't already seen it, and I'll I'll share it on his Twitter feed. But it's just like the first bit of it is he's clearly messing about and he's just letting him get some sort of kicks in, licks in, and then all of a sudden just turns it on. He doesn't drop him, funnily enough. And a lot of people are saying, oh, you can't even drop a 22-year-old influencer, your bum, and all stuff like that. But I don't think he's trying that hard. I think he is trying, but I don't think he's trying that hard. Yeah. Um, we We haven't really... Got anything fight wise to talk about in the last few weeks? There was a fight night last week, there's a fight night this week. You can obviously cover them. I'm not intending to stay up for it, I didn't stay up for the last. They were week. both dog shit. Well, I
1: haven't watched, to be honest, didn't watch a single fight from last week's fight. Mike, it was my birthday weekend, so I had stuff uh, planned out on the Sunday, so I didn't even watch it. Um, I mean. Again, one of those cars, even the main fight on this one is one that you would say, like, Jesus Christ, this is struggling. Um, so, uh, Amenoff, Imanoff, uh, uh, beat Roman DeLitz, which was a bit of a surprise for me because DeLitz at one point looked like he was on quite a surge and rising up through the middleweight ranks. Um, lost by majority decision. So, it was a close fight by all accounts. Um, the only other one that I would even mention on that was that uh, Renato Meccano beat Drew Dober uh, by unanimous decision. And Meccano always quite a character. He usually gives quite funny uh, post-fight interviews and does kind of stupid antics and things like that. But, yeah, didn't really have anything, to be honest with you, in terms of the fact that I really wanted to watch that one um this week's one I mean is headlined by Hermansen versus Pfeiffer uh <laughs> at middleweight I mean, again like come on we, is, this, is this is this is this what we're struggling I mean to be honest with you I'd actually say the co-main of Dan Inge versus Andre Feely uh is probably a better fight and probably more deserving of being the headliner but it's just another just it The UFC, in my opinion, has actually got to a As much as I love fights and I could watch them all day, there's an oversaturation now, isn't there? And when you get people as as hardcore fans as us saying, do you know what, I'm not even bothered about watching that, then that probably tells you about how many events that they're having and the quality of some of the cards that they're putting on.
0: We covered it, didn't we, a few weeks back, a few episodes back, it must have been, where this oversaturation, exactly as you put it, is... It's just completely gone skyrocketing, and, and it's it's not fun in that sense. And I know that you, you have to keep these fighters on side. You have to give them paydays. You have to maintain their happiness as well as obviously their wealth. And some of these fighters that we can see here on this card are never going to get onto a main card. You know, with twenty at two nine nine coming up, with the thir- at uh, three hundred coming up, which are obviously massive cards with massive fights on them. They're never going to break through that, or they're very unlikely to break through that. Of course, so I get why they put them on, but it's is it at the apex? Is this one at the apex by any chance? It'll be Vegas, won't I it? believe it is. I mean, a yeah. lot of
1: them, most of them, tend to be at the apex. But I mean, I might again. I might. I'm down in Bournemouth to visit my dad in hospital this week, so I won't. You know, normally if there is a one on, I'll, I'll fit it in on a Sunday but I might not have the chance. So maybe through the week, if if uh, from the sounds of things, the fights are uh, any good, I might have a little watch. But again, none of them particularly uh, excite me, uh, and particularly with 299 uh, on the horizon. And as I said, you've pussied out, but I'm having a few of the boys round uh, to my place, managed to kick the misses out uh, for the night, and um going to stay up and watch the full card for 299. So that starts you you- up. Well, oh,
0: you've kicked her out. I've said so to her, leave.
1: There's two two of her family are coming around. So they're uh, one, one is like my brother in law, if you like, and the other is the boyfriend of her niece. So I said, Well, why don't you go have a girls' night and go out around there? And so, and she was a bit like, Oh, I don't have to do that, do I? And I was like, No, no, I'm, I'm kicking you out. I, like, we're going to be up from the prelim start at 11 and um, the boys are going to come around about 10, and it will be through till 6. So I said, just go out and stay out for the night around your, your, your sister's house. So um, Just handing yeah. her a,
0: a key card and being like, oh, it is a it's a hotel room. She's like, oh, you have being quite romantic. You meet me in a hotel. No, 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 you go in that hotel. I need To if she
1: wants to, I'll get her a fucking gigolo, and if it's just to keep her <laughs> happy if she wants so that I can stay up and watch that one, because 299 is stacked, like, that's... Uh, I mean, the prelims are, is well, what I watch because I so said to the lads, they might as well come round. We'll maybe get a late Ruby Murray in, set us up for the night. But then obviously the main cut, the prelims kicking off at one, you know, even most of them are worth watching. So, um, yeah, it should be a good, uh, I'm really, really looking forward to that. It's one, one uh, event I've looked forward to the most for a long time, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know you mentioned a bit of a throwback here about Volkanovsky as well and, and the interview that he'd, come out and done about the Islam match I mean do you want to cover that do you want to talk about
1: well I mean I I would I I looked at it in two lights because I think it's a bit you know you could argue on one side is he making excuses um but if people tend to make excuses they tend to do it immediately after the fight so I lost this fight and this is such a long time afterwards that it doesn't feel like that and Volk doesn't strike me as that type of character, you know, to no. be honest with you, to be looking. But what he came out was and said that, and obviously he's he said before, it kind of goes in line with what he said, which is he needs fighting and he needs to have a fight on the horizon mentally to keep him going. Otherwise he gets, you know, depressed. He gets a bit, you know, Tyson Fury-esque, if you know what I mean, and can go off the rails. And he actually said, what he came out and said was, He was drinking for four weeks straight, pretty much getting pissed every day before the Islam um, rematch because he was recovering from some surgeries. Um, He then got the the, the call for the fight because it was relatively late notice. um, And he went into his, his coaches at the gym and he weighed 183 pounds, which is the heaviest he's ever weighed in his fight career. So, um, he and he said it was a bit of a wake up call in some ways for him. That, um, you know, going back to that point of he needs to have fighting and needs to have something to keep his mind occupied and keep him on, on course. I just wonder if some coming out with something like that does that give Tapura a bit of confidence for, the, for their fight up and coming? Does Tapura now suddenly see? a couple of chinks in the armour of what, you know, Volk is pretty untouchable, you know, only ever lost in the UFC to Islam, who is a higher weight anyway. Does the only thing I wonder sometimes with things like that is, do you give someone inadvertently a bit of um, confidence that maybe they're in that place and maybe Tapura is reading that thinking, right, that's going to spur me on even more and maybe I've got a better chance than I thought I did.
0: Well, the question that I was going to put to you, funnily enough, and you've mentioned it there, is it the opposite? Now, obviously, 298 is next weekend, and we'll cover that in in next week's episode. Um, it's the the 17th or the 18th of of Feb for us, I suppose. Um, Is he coming out and saying this now, the week before, to try and portray this humbled, um, wounded animal, who isn't anywhere near the best. Tapura's sat there thinking, as you say, I'm going to get some confidence from this. this. This guy isn't unbeatable. I've seen him get put on his ass. He got sparked by Islam in his last match. I can take this title off him. A little bit of overconfidence, especially with a character like Tapura who exudes that. He he likes to make it clear that he thinks he is the best. And as we've seen, he's talking about not just beating Volk, but then going on to beat Canelo later down the line. It's perfect fuel to ensure that that individual goes into this overconfident, might not train as hard, might not think that he needs to do as much and then gets absolutely slapped on his ass by Volk. Yeah, it could be a bit
1: of mind games in there for that, being a bit clever. I mean, I did read something, I think it was Bisping, I can't remember, but one of the the former fighters who has one of their podcasts, I did read something in passing that sort of said that this could be the moment that Volk does actually lose at one four five, and I think he went as far to say that he saw... Tapura as the next uh, Connor in terms of an ascent through the ranks, having the kind of charisma and personality that can kind of carry cards, talk a lot of shit. You know, I personally don't agree with that. He's, 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 he's a confident individual. He's clearly a very good fighter, but he's nowhere, nowhere near got the charisma uh, of a of, uh, McGregor. But maybe again that's something that you can work on and a lot of fighters they probably need to you need to have get to a certain point in your career and you know, you suddenly are the hundred and forty-five pound champ. Maybe he starts becoming that character, uh, and talking a lot of shit to everyone. He's obviously. I think in one interview he called out five people, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> it, he like that, yeah. so it was something ridiculous. So he's clearly not unconfident, but I just hope we get the best Volk. The, or the Volk of old, if you like, that, you know, and puts on a clinic and just destroys him, humbles him, puts him back down in his place.
0: Would you believe me if I said that Tapura is currently the betting favourite?
1: I, I probably wouldn't believe you, uh, but <laughs> he shouldn't. But clearly he is, if you're telling me that, so I'm not, I'm not saying you're a liar, but... Um, that surprises me given Volk's achievements and accomplishments at one four five given he's never been beaten um, I wonder does some of this you know uh press that we've just talked about get factored into that people are thinking yeah. oh, is he making excuses is that you know if he hadn't have come out and said that would the betting lines be different but I wouldn't be surprised again you, 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 we've seen a lot of times. Um, We often talk about the betting lines on on, on the UFC, but you will often see somebody start out as a favourite and that can completely flip by the time it gets to fight night. So I don't know how close or what, you know, those odds are, but I would be shocked if Volk isn't by the weigh-ins. If he turns up, looks on point, you know, looks confident if that is not reversed by fight night.
0: Uh, with regard, I mean, we've, we're going through little bits and pieces here in terms of the UFC, because it's been, it, funnily enough, despite the fact that we haven't really covered much in the last two weeks, it's been a fairly quiet couple of weeks, so we, we've not really done anything wrong there. Um, you're quite excited about the uh, comments that Aspinall has made with regards to being open to fighting. Well, I, I was,
1: but then I don't know if you saw it, So, I mean, talk if, if there was a fight that would give me a semi it would be Aspinall versus Poetang for the interim title. Now, you, 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 not only have you got two amazing kickboxers, I mean, you've got a significant size difference for one. So fair play if Poetang was prepared to do that. But you'd also have Poetang have the chance to be the first ever champ, 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 which must be on his mind. Um, but Aspinall has come out and said that he's heard nothing, but he's open to that fight. That would have appeared to have been fully shut down by, I don't know if you saw Dana's comments this week. He said it's building to an announcement, but he said the main event, which is the only event we're now waiting on, will be a fight between two former champions, with his exact words. So yeah. Um, I'll be honest, I, I, I didn't, as I say, it's been a pretty hectic week at work, but when I saw that, my mind started... Racing that who could be classed as a former champion that could headline an event? Connor immediately sprung to mind, but we know that that one's now looking again. There's been more comments that that's been looking like it's getting pushed out to the uh the, the summer at least. So well, like I said, autumn, I, I'm not really it, sure.
0: Did you see that? It, it's come out as Dana White and said that it are talking on the Pat McAvee um podcast or Pat McAvee show. And he said, there's no date, but we're hoping for fall, which is obviously autumn to us English people. So it's, how has it been pushed back from, oh, it might be 300 to, it might be June to, it is June to now autumn. Like it's not going to happen. I, I don't, it's getting right on my nerves, is this?
1: Yeah. some. So, I mean, I don't, again, maybe there's a sneaky injury in the background someone doesn't want to disclose and keep out there or whatever, but I, I, I can't think really of a headline worthy event of that are two former champions. No, you know, If you ran can. through and you looked at the kind of the the people that you'd be talking about, I can't really see that being bigger than a lot of the fights that are, you know, big, big, is that going to be bigger than than Gagey Holloway?
0: You no.
1: Know? no. No? So, well, we wait, we wait with bated breath on that one, I think, and we'll just have to wait and see and hope that Dana delivers on his word and, and, and pulls something out. Um, the only other one that I thought of that sprung to mind, uh, there was rumours, obviously, we did, I was going to touch on it earlier, but I thought I'd wait that Duplessis Adesanya could be the um, headliner. Um, and I think um, Adesanya had put something cryptic on Instagram. I read something, I again, don't keep up with this. Social nonsense shit, but hadn't he put something on there about the from the film 300? So people instantly yeah, jumped on did. that. But he is a former champion, so I wonder whether he could be fighting somebody maybe, say, light like heavyweight who would be a former champion as well, or something like that. That was the only other kind of name in my mind that I could kind of put two and two together to try and piece it together. but. If it was Adesanya, surely you'd put him straight in against Duplessis, given Duplessis said he's ready and, ready and able to make that and the bad blood between them before. It would be, be crazy to not to have Adesanya fighting anyone but Duplessis, I would say.
0: Well, Duplessis turned around and said, didn't he, that um, that essentially he wasn't fighting Adesanya and he distanced himself from it a couple of days ago. He said... You know, it's, he's just a number, Three hundreds is just a number, and it's not going to be as big as UFC Africa, for example. Um, So I don't know. I, it's one of these where because it's April, was it April 13th, we're a couple of months away, I just want it to be announced. I just want all the fights to be announced. I'm getting impatient on it. It's the start of the year, so I'm trying to be a, a better person in terms of not getting overly frustrated with the UFC as it tends to be but I just want to know who's fighting I just want to know when they're fighting I want the Conor McGregor thing to be sorted or for him to fuck off and I want to know the headliner of UFC 300 more importantly
1: yeah I think Dane is kind of building it a bit now I wouldn't be surprised if he said it was coming in the next week or so the obvious time that may well be would be as you said, and we'll cover it fully next week uh, is maybe it gets announced at two nine eight in between if they, when they do that they will often do it in between the co main and the main event so my suspicion would be if they were going to do that when it, when the announcement might be made would be um, perhaps next week during the uh, during the event live.
0: Liverpool, fifty-four points, sitting at the top of the table. They're now what five points clear of City with a uh, with a, a game in hand on. Oh, sorry, City have a game in hand because obviously you beat Arsenal, didn't you? This this past
1: week, well, fuck really, really off, important. it fucking ruined my fucking birthday? So I was out, out. It's the day before my birthday. I'd had the day, but the Monday booked off. I said to the missus, "We're going out for a night to a nice steak restaurant in Leeds. Let's go and watch the football." And then that performance absolutely ruined my whole fucking night and basically shuts have a word with me and tell me to snap out of it because I was in such a fucking <laughs> miserable mood because of, one, how shit we played. Two, I think Arsenal got lucky as fuck. And like people saying how much better Arsenal were than Liverpool maybe must have been watching a different game to me because I don't think they were that much better at all.
0: They'll have been watching it from a non-biased perspective, that's why.
1: Are You telling me you thought Arsenal were that much better? They, we no, gave but they, them they were two the goals. Uh, we our goal was very very lucky. We gave yeah. them two goals. They were they shaded it to me in terms of being the better team. Both teams played poorly. I, I think that would be fair to say. Neither team played anywhere near their capability. But when I I, I keep reading about what an amazing performance it was from Arsenal. And, what you know, they just outplayed Liverpool. People seem to forget that's the worst I've seen Liverpool play in at least two or three months. And, as you say, we've got the best goalkeeper in the world going to a fucking clown. What the fuck Alisson was doing in the game? I've got no idea. Like, we gave what them fuck? two goals. But I, I, I they, they shaded it, but to say they deserved it. And then the way they celebrated, like, they won the European Cup. Like... Fucking give it a rest, lads. You're not. You're only going to come third anyway, so don't worry about it.
0: <laughs> so I'll, I'll comment from a non-biased point of view on the fact that it didn't ruin my birthday because obviously I'm not a Liverpool fan. I thought Arsenal were the better team and I thought they were comfortably the better team. I agree Liverpool had an off day. That's not the Liverpool that we've seen in recent weeks. For whatever reason, whether it's the um, announcement of Klopp that's playing on the back of the minds, the additional pressure. People have been talking about the quadruple. I know Trent came out and said it, which I think is stupidity personally. I don't know why there's any comment on that whatsoever. But we obviously did an episode in detail about Klopp and that's on our our feeds as well. And, And certainly go back and listen to that if you haven't already. But that sort of impact can have significant effect on players, it, you know, the pressure of making sure that this manager, who has been one of the best managers, and and I think you said, in your opinion, one of the greatest managers, if not the greatest Liverpool manager of all time, statistically, then the pressure of making sure he goes out on a high can sometimes lead to significant errors. I thought Arsenal were, were by far the better team. Um, the goal that you scored on the verge of halftime was extremely poor defending. I don't think it was necessarily that um, the own goal was a mistake in terms of the own goal. The whole thing was a calamity. And I think it was Jota that did well to get in there and and get that shot off or the cross off that led to the goal uh, and the additional pressure there. But I thought, the red card was stupid from Kanata. Um For whatever reason, Liverpool seem to have this propensity to blow up in these pressure situations. Um, there was a stat where it was something like it was it would have been the first time Liverpool had lost with 11 men on the road or something like that in a long period of time. And then they got the red card, so obviously that didn't apply. Um, like you say, Van Dijk and um, Alisson, for whatever reason, just completely went off the boil. Van Dijk has been outstanding this season. Uh, Allison has been outstanding this season. They were an absolute shadow of their former selves. With regards to the celebrating, I don't disagree. But I also think that this whole celebration police, and it was Carragher. Of course it's Carragher because he sat there moping around in the, the stadium a little bit, as, as you would have been. Uh, but his reaction to that, get down the tunnel, you know, it's too much. It is too much but it's celebrating a massive win. This is a Liverpool team... I get that. And I,
1: I, again, I, I don't, I've got no issue with a team celebrating a massive victory in a massive game like that. I just thought that there's levels to it, and they just seem to... It, it was like that's the type of celebrations I would expect to see someone... If I'm sure I've probably seen teams win the league and celebrate less than that. I just thought, as you say, celebrating the game and, and, and what is a huge result and keeps them in the title race... Absolutely agree. And if I was an Arsenal fan, I would want and fully expect them to do so. I just thought they just went a little bit overboard for what is actually just a game that is still mid season, really, and in the grand scheme of things, to me, won't the title won't be won or lost on that game, put it that way. Liverpool had a terrible terrible, terrible performance. They did, It's not like they came out and absolutely stonked us by an amazing performance and we were really good, but they were that much better. They they shaded it and we gave them two goals. So I just felt that the proportions, were the celebrations were slightly disproportionate to the manner of victory. If they'd completely played us off the park, spanked us and, you know, been the arsenal that they can sometimes be, I would have had no issue. But I thought... You've got a bit lucky here, lads, and then you're celebrating like that, like you've played that well to win and celebrate it in that fashion. I felt was disproportionate.
0: I have to just mention, though, on the basis of this, because it, you'll have seen it all over social media and it's something that always gets brought up. Liverpool, West Brom, 2015 in December, a two-all draw. Liverpool's celebrations were. On par, if not worse. I think Jurgen Klopp took the entire team, and they were all celebrating in front of the fans and stuff. I, I can't remember what that point was for. And obviously, as you say, it was mid-season. It's December. It's it's comparable. So I think the hypocr- hypocrisy from people like Carragher and Liverpool as a whole, I can see why Arsenal fans would get annoyed. But also, Arsenal fans get annoyed at everything. In all honesty.
1: Don't remember that celebration that you're talking about. If, if I'm honest with you, <laughs> um, so you'd, I'd have to see it to to remember it. But if, I thought you were talking. You're not talking about the one. The because the, obviously the obviously uh, major West Brom game was when Alisson scored the header. No, um, that was behind closed doors, wasn't it? Um, no, because that was up after COVID. Because that's what kept us in the chance of getting in the Champions League that season. So that was one. Right. If, it, if it's that, if it was that game, that would be why. The
0: celebration, but from the day we said it, it wasn't a, that, yeah, yeah, it were a rigi that scored the injury time equalizer, so that's how long ago it was definitely 2015. And there's like a picture, but I'll show you the picture so you can see it there. Uh, there's a picture of them all going to, or a video of them all going to the away fans or home fans, sorry, and like cheering and going mental and.
1: It's it's a strange video. Well, that's that's... not just clapping from that picture. That's not taking a picture off or taking a camera off one of the cameramen and being like, I want to take some pictures, like Odegaard the prick. But, (laughs) um, yeah, it's one of those things that I think because it's been a bit of a quiet week, it just got whipped up into a bit of a storm in a teacup to be some degree. It was a non-starter for me. They're they're entitled to celebrate. It was a big game for them. I get it.
0: Just while you're talking, I'm just showing you in the video of Jurgen Klopp holding hands with all his players, going to the the fans and giving it the big and over a two old draw. That's not
1: that, that that's, not that celebration is nowhere near comparable to what Arsenal did.
0: But the game is nowhere near comparable either because Arsenal versus Liverpool is a potential title decider. It's not going to be, but it's a potential title decider. Whereas that seems to be little West Brom quote-unquote, and uh, big Liverpool getting the 2 old draw. Um, either way, it doesn't matter, does it? Because City are going to win this league.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the problem now. I mean, as you say, I mean, again, we, we knew it was coming. I, I, again, I, I'm under no illusions and they have been saying all along that, you know, City will come roaring back. They'll do what they do in March. They've got KDB back. Um, I mean, he's come back like he's never been away, literally, hasn't he? Just, you know, seamlessly back into the form of the best midfielder in the league. Haaland's back now. Only surprise was that he didn't score uh, in uh, the the midweek win. And they got a a Foden hat-trick, which with those two players coming back into your team, you know, and the lead we needed, we we needed like an eight or nine point lead and we might have had a chance. I think the fact now that if they win their game in hand, I think they go a point above us now. They do, point. So, um yeah, it's. I mean, I'm. I'm not going to say it's over because it's not, and you can never say it's over. And City have had a propensity to put in some shambolic performances this season more than they have before. But you'd very, very you'd have you'd have to be hard pushed to see anyone winning it but City.
0: If you are putting your mortgage on it, for example, you'd put it on say the the way that they you deal would. with the league at this time of the year. It's, it's almost ridiculous, because like you predicted this, and I know we discussed it at the start of the season, so I think it was a few games in, we'd said Liverpool have made a really good start to the season, they look good, Arsenal look good, City look off the boil, City will win league, because inevitably when we get to February, March time, for whatever reason, they decide, you know what, let's stop pissing about now, let's just win this league, put it in trophy cabinet. It's just ridiculous. Yeah.
1: But at the same time, like you've got to look at it realistically. They should win that league with a counter. When Absolutely. You, when you compare the teams, you know, the, again, missing the two players they've had, the best midfielder and the best striker in the league, that's going to impact on any team. And if you look, if you write down the teams on paper, you know, they're head and shoulders above Liverpool and Arsenal for me. You know, even though Liverpool and Arsenal have got, you know, good teams and we can't say they haven't. and um, But... They should win it at a Canter, to be honest yeah. with you. So it's not a surprise, but yeah, if if you were you're right. If you were putting your mortgage on it, there's only one team you'd be putting it on.
0: You know what were annoying me more as well. Just on a little bit of a side note, I watched the the Brentford City game, and City were all over them. Brentford scored a goal, launched over top by the goalkeeper, and, and Mope is a, an absolute knob. I cannot stand that football player. Um, but regardless of that, Foden comes back into it scores a goal on the verge of half time. They get another two and he gets his hat-trick and they win the game comfortably. That's Foden playing down the centre. Foden down the centre is absolutely fantastic for any team. You watch Phil Foden, you think he is a central attacking midfielder. Inevitably, when we get to the Euros in the summer and we see Phil Foden either sat on the bench or playing out wide on the wing, I'm, I think I'm going to end up smashing my TV in. And they've backed... Gareth Southgate as well of FA, are not they? They've come out this morning and said that they want him to stay after Euros. So I'm sat there going mental.
1: I mean, the only thing I'd say is, though, at the moment, whilst I don't disagree with you that he's a 10, could you not argue if you're going to play a 10 at the moment in a, in a formation? It's exactly that. It's Bellingham, yeah. who I would say would be the person I'd be playing over Foden. You've got to have Foden in the team and Foden has got the skills and the ability to be put out wide. Now, to me, if you were going for the sort of formation that Southgate does. Obviously, Harry Kane up top, no doubt. I'd have, uh, personally, um, Bellingham in at 10. And then I'd have wingers of Saka and Foden, is what I would do, personally. If you put in
0: Bellingham at 10, who are you putting in his double pivot, then? Are you playing Phillips? Because I wouldn't put Phillips anywhere near that.
1: Do you think I've suddenly (laughs) lost my fucking mind? Um, No, Um, I would play, say, obviously, you've got Declan Rice in there. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I think that spot potentially is up for grabs. And if he's fit enough and can, could do it, I think there's a strong argument. You put Trent there.
0: Not maybe.
1: we we, We know Southgate. He's going to put fucking Henderson there, isn't he?
0: If he puts Henderson or Phillips there, he should actually be immediately sacked on the spot because Henderson has done nothing all season and has actually sold his soul. Um, Phillips has done nothing for the last two seasons and, you know, changed his career for the course of trophies and money without much personal success. Uh, that's where I'd put Bellingham. I'd put Bellingham alongside um, Rice. I'd let Bellingham have a little bit more autonomy, allow him to go back and forth, plays a bit more box-to-box, and I'd put Phil Foden just in front of them both.
1: So who are you going on, on the wings then? Surely Sack has got to be one side. Sack has
0: got to be one. Uh, I don't know. I, I get the feeling Grayish might be the shout. Um, I don't think Sterling's done enough. I know that Sterling always performs for England, but I don't think he's done enough to, to get a starting spot. Certainly not for Chelsea, unless he turns it on in the latter part of the season. But I really don't know. I really don't know. Um, I just think the centre of that midfield, and certainly with the, the double pivot and the way that that formation works, has to be spot on. And if it's not spot on and we see Henderson Phillips, or Henderson or Phillips, I think he's doing it wrong, but we know that Southgate gets it wrong.
1: Yeah, I just got a terrible feeling, particularly with him now, but I think if he'd stayed in Saudi, there's no way it would have been Henderson, but we know Southgate loves Henderson. I mean, Phillips, I mean, Phillips shouldn't even be going to the Euros, let alone um, playing. That would just be literally insane, if you ask me, Um, but um, it is what it is, I suppose, and you, you know, we have to back Gareth and see what he does, but I wouldn't be putting either of them anywhere near that.
0: I've just got, just before we move on, in terms of uh, a couple more things for football, but a couple of weeks ago, I just want to highlight a comment you made. You said that the title in the championship was done, and you said that you were almost certain that the team that would be going up in second would be Southampton. Obviously, early in the season, you'd said that you thought the team going up uh, in second would be. Ipswich. I just want to check: Have you been keeping your eye on the championship
1: recently? Are you saying that just because Leeds are temporarily in second place. We're not
0: in second place, but I'm just asking you if you've you've been keeping your eye on the results in in terms of the league or the positions, anything at all? Uh
1: not as much as I should have, say, because of work. Uh, as I say, I haven't been keeping up with MMA. I certainly haven't been keeping up with the championship. But my certainly, from what I have seen, nothing has changed. And there's ne- uh, let's be fair. One, you've, you've absolutely misquoted me there. At no point have I ever said I said Ipswich would go up second. We've always, both of us have always agreed Ipswich would fall off. Uh, so that's a complete lie. But I remain <laughs> completely of the view that Leicester will win it at a canter and Southampton will go up second.
0: Leicester are only 11 points clear at the top of the table at the moment. We've got 72 points after 30 games. I think they're on for the championship record, as it stands. Um, Southampton have got a game in hand on Leeds. They're 61 points. Leeds sit third on 60. And in Ipswich, uh, a fourth on 59. And they have a game in hand on Leeds as well. Um, that's, I think, West Brom they played today, which are obviously starting fifth. The way that the championships have worked this season, had Leeds have had the same points, So sixty after this many games, I'm pretty sure we would have sat comfortably top of the table for the last something like five seasons. But just Leeds' look, there are four other teams that have decided to absolutely steamroll through the league this season.
1: Yeah, but if if you're talking ifs, buts and maybes, that's the same as at Liverpool. Liverpool's points totals over the last four years, I think three of them... Would have won your league. would Would have won the league. Yeah. So that's just fucking our team's fucking luck that that shit happens isn't it that uh, but yeah i don't bit. i don't disagree with you but i, I still think southampton just seem to have hit that vein of form that has dropped off a little bit to be honest leeds are getting into some form um the one thing i would say which i think is probably the re- i'll make a prediction now which will be really harsh is the team that comes third won't go up
0: a lot of people say that i disagree i, I think if leeds Go second, Southampton are a million times better than all four teams that are currently sat in the, um, the playoff race. And likewise, in terms of if Leeds don't go up in second, Leeds are better than everyone that's currently in the championship uh, playoff race. The problem that you've got is the playoffs are so unpredictable. And with it being a one off game, your entire season can turn on one mistake. But that's um, my point. It's, yeah, it, as you say, I, I'm talking, I, take,
1: take, I totally agree that whoever came third. That's whoever that would be. They, those are the top three teams in the league by a fairly long way, if you ask me. Leeds, Leicester and Southampton. Leicester are going to go up as champions. I think we can fairly safely say that, but I would be worried. If I was Leeds, I would, and you did come third, even though you are by clearly the best team out of the four teams that would be in the playoffs, Leeds luck, the luck of the playoffs in generally, um, and I'd love, I'm sure there's a stat that it's very, very rare that the team that comes third goes up. It's often the team that's come fifth or sixth, because they cover this sometimes you get this team that come goes on a fly and run that carries some momentum into the playoffs and gets a bit of luck as well. So that's nothing against Leeds or Southampton. They are the better team of the four. I just think the way in the luck of the playoffs, I could easily see whichever of those two that did come third not going up because of that. Exactly.
0: Especially, especially if, in terms of the look of those two teams, if let's say one of our players commits a cynical foul and the referee decides, you know what, that's worthy of a blue card. It's a blue card. You've got a ten-minute sin bin. Go play rugby for a bit, whatever. And I might send you off with a second yellow. Yeah, later on.
1: What are we doing? What are we? Do- <laughs> I just. What are we? Have we not? Have we not learned from VAR that this is football? Let's stop fucking with these rules and fucking things about like. Again, I I missed this one until you sent it to me. And I I thought, is this some kind of early April Fool's joke piss take? Like a blue card. I mean, we would heard the talk before. At least an orange card would make an element, a semblance of of clarity because it's the the color in between yellow and red. Where the fuck is blue come from?
0: Do you, do you know they've actually mentioned why it's not an orange card? Do you know what reason they've given? Gone because it's too hard to distinguish between orange, red, and yellow. So if you yeah, get an orange if card, you're fucking colourblind,
1: <laughs> and if you fucking do you know what I mean? If you're like if you're a referee, the minimum thing I think you should not be is colourblind to make sure you're giving out the right card. But um, the bl- blue card, I mean, the only thing is it it's ridiculous, but it hasn't been given the full go-ahead yet, has it? So it's. Uh, The the annual general meeting of the International Football Association Board, I believe it is, the IFAB, uh, are meeting in March to decide and ratify this or not. And please, please, God, let's hope that some common sense prevails. And they say, whoever came up with this stupid fucking idea, no, we're keeping it as, as it was why why are we tra- it feels like football's trying to become like F1 where F1 there's a reason that they change the rules every year to try and keep it competitive there's no need. like this has no impact on the competitiveness of it and i just think it's fucking stupid
0: i don't i, I, I don't disagree with the principle of it because there are a lot of instances where like for example at the euros where i think it was saka was pulled back by Chiellini, when England were on a last-minute attack to have potentially won the Euros. He pulls him back, and he gets a yellow card. It's a yellow card all day. It's not a red card for pulling someone back and that far up the pitch. It wasn't like a last-man situation. The maximum the referee can give is a yellow card. That's a cynical foul. He's done it to save the game. And in saving the game, it's one of those where it's in between a yellow and red. It's never going to be given a red for the reasons that I've given. So a blue card or... An in-between card, in that instance, makes sense. The problem that you've got is VAR makes a lot of sense. VAR is fantastic in principle, but the people that use it are absolutely useless. And I think they announced that it was 20 mistakes have been made throughout this season alone. All you're doing by adding a blue card or a separate separate card to the cards that we've already got for the first time think- since nineteen seventy is you're gonna add more complexities to refereeing and referees who get a lot wrong as it is and get a lot of pressure on the backs as it is, they then have to determine what's a yellow card, what's a blue card, and what's a straight red now. So And yeah, and,
1: and it's gonna be it's gonna be one of those things that then will probably create even more var time issues of right, yeah. we've given that let's go back, okay, right, let's change that from a yellow to a blue or thing. And it's just that <laughs> before we know it, we're, we're at a point of American football where every fucking five minutes there's a massive b- break in the game. Yeah. It totally, you know, interrupts the flow of the game with all which, you know, VAR has already done and we know um, has done, but it just does it even more. And I just, I, I the example you give, to be honest, is probably about as compelling an argument that I've heard for a blue card, that, you know, the, the in-between in that sort of exact situation. But I think that's part work. of the game. It's part, exactly. part of the game. You know, there's, yeah. there are always tactical fouls played where someone takes one for the team for a yellow card like that. To do that, that's good game management. And, you know, playing to the rules. I'll take a yellow card for the team. I know I'm not going to get sent off. But, you know, that that's a, as you say, that's about as a, I haven't read anything about that. And that would be as about as a compelling argument I've heard to, for the introduction of it, I still don't believe that they should do it.
0: Well, the other one, say, so we are promising tacos, preventing a promising attack and dissent. How many times have you watched a football game in the last 10, 15 years where someone has got a decision that's gone against them and you, the camera zooms in at them, you can lip read what they're saying and they're telling the referee to F off or that he's a twat or whatever like that. So is that going to be a blue card every time? Because if it is you're not going to have anyone left on that pitch at the end of the game.
1: Well, the other thing I wondered, which they haven't said about it, is there a limit on, obviously there is a limit, if I'm not mistaken, if you get, I think it's four red cards, which obviously never happens, but the game, the game is, game is, is bad. What happens if you get like, you suddenly got like four players from one team and two players <laughs> from another on blue cards and then, you know, the game's, you know, like a five-a-side game, like what I would actually they say, said anything like that—that
0: that, that would be more entertaining. That would be miles more entertaining if you've got a five-a-side in a, a full size football pitch of them both going at each other. So actually, that's the best argument I've heard for it.
1: But I, just, I just think it's un, un, unnecessary, personally. And um they, as I said, I don't know where these kind of ideas are coming from. Who's coming up with these in the? The realms of FIFA or wherever uh, they are sat coming. Up. I know that's that's, that's, that's introduced a blue card. You know, I mean, I mean, it's, it's a Man City's owners that rich and feel that aggrieved that uh the current worst sanction in football reflects Man United's colours. That we're going to bung some money to someone because we've got a billion pounds on the side to introduce a colour that's the same colour as our shirt. I mean, like, wh- where are these? Where are these ideas coming from? It's
0: just someone sat in the room, isn't it, like you say, just thinking, what can I do to ruin football today? I've got all these lists in my book. Let's just pick one. Let's choose one. Let's see what the reaction's going to be. It's been a couple of weeks, as we said, since the last episode. And match-wise and match wise there hasn't been that many boxing matches. We'll come on to in just a second. The, the main ones, which was, um, I believe it was Dan Aziz and um, Bwatsi, Joshua Boatze. What we haven't covered is I were really looking forward to next weekend, not only having 298 on the cards, but also to see an undisputed world heavyweight champion. Uh That's not happening anymore because Tyson Fury's pulled out because he's got a cut on his head.
1: Yeah, and I I mean, I, I, I mean I've watched that video like 20 times and it's like really difficult to see where this elbow comes in And I did read at one point the conspiracy theory, which given how much we believe he has ducked him, I actually did read that someone said, someone's actually basically told the guy sparring him to fucking elbow him deliberately to cut him (laughs) so he doesn't have to fight. But which you'd like to hope isn't the case, but... Surely not. you, You should be fucking firing and beating the fuck out of your sparring partner if he's throwing elbow. This is a world title fight. You've got a spar. You can't be doing a legal... Like, what's the guy thinking of fucking throwing an elbow in a sparring match?
0: It's not just a world title fight either, is it? It's the best and ultimate world title fight because it's the undisputed... The world's been all.
1: waiting for for like two years. Like, <laughs> and then some prick unheard of dingbat comes in and thinks he can uh, have a bit of a f- throw an elbow and has completely fucking robbed the world of the fucking fight. Um, I mean, that motherfucker, not only should he not be getting paid his money for it, that. The, the rest of the, uh, the team should have jumped
0: in and beat the fuck out of him. Should take him out back and just be like, can I just have a quick word with you? Are you uh, you've cost me quite a lot of money here. Um, it's obviously been rearranged at this point to May 18th, which is quite a while away. Um, We've got to assume that that's going to take a bit of time to heal in terms of the cut and obviously a delay of three months should allow that. Uh, there is a, a new clause, I think, that's been put into the agreement in that if one of the fighters pulls out, they have to pay ten million uh, as like a penalty fee. So you would hope that it goes ahead this time. You would hope that there isn't going to be some other thing that crops there's up. There's No way
1: that again no, that Tyson Fury's got the most money by a mile. Usyk probably, despite the amount of money that he uh, he earns as the heavyweight champion, probably hasn't even got ten mil. I think we could we could both a hundred percent agree that there's no way Usyk's pulling out of that fight. So that that to me penalty is entirely targeted at Tyson Fury because Correct. one, he's yeah. got enough money that he could pay that probably because of the amount stupid amount of money he's won in his last couple of fights. Um, but two, they're the, he's obviously the one that they're worried about. But I, I, I would be surprised if Usyk even had 10 million, but there's no way in the world <laughs> he's pulling out.
0: Well, the other main fight that's been announced for Saudi this year is the uh, light heavyweight world title clash Undisputed, like, heavyweight world title. Now, fight. this is the fight. This is the yeah. fight. Bivol and Berta Biev, June the 1st. That is going to be an outstanding fight. And I don't know who's going to win that. Berta Biev is obviously going to come out trying try smack, uh, take his head off. And Bivol is a fantastic boxer. It's such a good clash of styles. It's a very captivating fight.
1: So probably, again, about as close as you could get to a 50-50 fight like that. I mean, you say you've got uh, a, a consummate boxing professional in terms of, you know, very, very technical uh, against a complete and utter knockout artist. So they're, you know, quite different in terms of style and the clashes. But um, that's the fight we've been waiting for. And I'll, I'll be honest, when that one was announced, uh, outside of Usyk and Fury, that's the fight I wanted to see the most.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that there is any other fights in boxing at this moment in time that are really going to get the same hype as those two. Your undisputed heavyweight champion of the world is the number one. It always will be the number one, regardless, really, of who's fighting. But when you've got two unbeaten heavyweights who talk a big game, or one of them talks a big game, the other does his talking with his fists, then absolutely you're excited for that. Bivolber Biev it's a lower weight class and not many people take that much of an interest in it until these people have come through and have showcased what boxing can be. That isn't necessarily the highest weight. And Berta Biev is a very scary man. We obviously, (coughs) excuse me, we obviously saw him against uh, yard and we thought that yard did quite well up until obviously getting his head taken off. Uh, Bivol has put on a masterclass consistently, took out Canelo. he, is a scary, scary boxer. It's just one of those fights, like you said, that absolutely the world is looking forward to.
1: It's one of those sneaks under the radar as well, I think, because neither of them are probably outside of relatively hardcore boxing fans. They're probably It would be one of those ones that, that, if that, that... I bet you the pay-per-view number does a ridiculously low amount compared to what it should for the level of those two fighters and the clash that that, that is... That, as you say, for me, is an, an absolute blinding fight and one that, I as you say, part of, apart from me, Fury Usyk, I, 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 is the one that they needed to make and that I've been most looking forward to. So I will definitely be, a, um, again, I think because it's a Saudi, it means uh, we don't need to stay up for some ridiculous time in the morning. It's not a Vegas. It's not a um, Madison Square Garden. But there's no way in the world that I'm not tuning in for that fight.
0: We also got a bit of a... Slightly shocked to me announcement with Devin Haney and Raya Garcina uh, as as being announced. Um Garcia obviously just recently got back on the winning train having been handed his first loss by Tank in quite a, a comprehensive, exciting matchup, but quite comprehensive in terms of that um that body shot which looks absolutely horrendous. Everything every single time you watch it, you think it just takes the breath away. Devin Haney, obviously, a very, very good, unbeaten boxer has basically beaten everyone that's been put in front of him. You know, Lomachenko, uh, Cambottas Jr., uh, Pagraes in the the last one. He has looked very, very convincing. It's going to be a really good matchup. I don't think there's going to be a knockout in it, but it's going to be a very good matchup in terms of, again, a boxing masterclass.
1: Agreed, and it would be a good fight. But I feel like it's not the fight that I wanted to see next for Haney, which was Tank. That's what I was hoping. That's the fight. I yeah. at That weight I would really want to see is them two go at it. Similar styles, big punchers, well-built guys, both can box but have got ferocious knockout power as well. But whether that's, you know, they're building to that and that will, I'm sure, I can't see a, a world that that doesn't happen at some point in the future. But for me, that there's a slight missed opportunity there. That's the one I would have personally liked to have seen Haney take on next.
0: People are arguing quite frequently that Tank is ducking these big fights and uh, obviously the argument against that would be that he took on Garcia in a, a genuine super fight, despite no titles being on the line in that. I think the pay-per-view were... I think he generated like a million pay-per-view buys and more than $22 million at the gate. So if, as I would expect, Haney wins this and continues his, his rise, continues his ascent, the next fight has to be Haney-Tank. It has to be. There isn't any it way to tackle yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, the only one I did see very, very short-lived retirement. Just again, because we talk about same weight class, is uh, Tierfemo Lopez is back, isn't he? Retired he is? for, for two or three months or something, which was ridiculous at the time. I don't know what the fuck was going through his mind in his prime, but he has unretired. Uh, Wait, one I mean, of the least surprising things I've ever I've read in a long time.
0: A hundred percent. And obviously he he had a fight um, this week, funnily enough, and retained his uh, WBO super lightweight world title against Jermaine Ortiz. Did you see any of this? Did you see any of the fallout? Did you see the result? Did you see anything?
1: Uh, I saw that he won. I didn't see any fallout.
0: He absolutely did not win. He did on the the cards, and and obviously the win will go down on his record. He absolutely did not win this fight. It, It was... One of these that you watch, and you're like, Well, that's that's clearly a robbery. Uh, one of the cards had him winning by about four rounds, which or five rounds, which absolutely didn't happen. And if you get a chance to watch it, or at least the highlights, Ortiz wins it quite comfortably. It's like three or four rounds, if not more. So there were boos, there were obviously a backlash, and Lopez being Lopez came out and he was like, Ah, get out of my ring, uh, you know, get out of my sport. Uh, this is all to do with me. I'm the best, blah, blah, after retiring. 17 times this year um, but yeah that, that wasn't enjoyable and boxing as we full well discuss and full well know just seems to be consistently rigged now
1: Yeah but I'll I, I have to make sure again uh, my, 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 because of my birthday a weekend and a few things planned and on I've missed quite a lot of uh, sports I've got a bit of catching up to do in some ways so um, I will definitely take a look at that and um, we'll pick up next week I'll tell you how much of a robbery I think that that was
0: Absolutely, and the last thing, just from me, uh, I'll give you a bit more homework, just because I, I have to mention him. And he's taking the certainly the British side of of the sport by storm a little bit. And this is Ben Whitaker, uh, Ben Whitaker, who had basically got the world talking with a yet another unique performance against Khalid uh, Gradier. He was on the undercard of Boatzee versus Dan Aziz uh, last Saturday night, which, again, was another fantastic fight, which resulted in Boatzee winning. But Whitaker stole the show for me. He's a 26-year-old. He's a rising star in the light heavyweight division, which, as we've just discussed, the light heavyweight division is absolutely stacked at this moment in time. He's 6-0. Five of his victories have come by knockout. And he was highly successful as an amateur boxer. He won the, the silver medal at the Olympic Games in uh, 2021. Doesn't have another opponent lined up. Doesn't have another fight date lined up or anything like that. But he's expected to go straight back in in, a fight, in in March. So he's wanting to be very, very active. He had a bit of an injury last year and he's trying to get back on the uh, the track and back on the trail to the top. The reason that he's caught the eye is because he is very much decided to have a little bit of fun with the sport. He is very talented. He's very swift. His defense is a little bit lacking, and we'll come on to that in just a second. But his showboating is what is catching the eye. He is spinning round in the ring. He is pretending to rabbit punch. He's doing TikTok dances. He's doing Fortnite dances. And you've basically got this this generation of fans who are going to be brought forward with every performance that Ben Whitaker does, and think, oh, this is really entertaining, this is really fun, you've also got the purists who are going to turn around and think, I cannot wait for this man to get knocked out. But either way, people are going to tune in and watch him.
1: Yeah, and I've seen some of the shenanigans that he was doing. The only thing is, is you can get away with that when you're levels above the fighter. That, you know, he's obviously 6-0, as you say, silver medalist, they're, they're, they're building him up. Uh, and building his padding his record a little bit before he starts to get to to some big boys the moment you put him in against someone good and he starts to do that clownish shit he's going to get the fuck kicked out of him or he's going to get punched on the back of the head while he's trying to do one of his silly dances or something like that so I feel like it's one of those things that has got a shelf life that whilst he's fighting bums he can get away with it and you know what, if it, as you say, brings a few more viewers, gets him a few fans, gets him some media attention, I can understand it. But you can't be, he even he can't think that he can fight like that once he's coming up against world champions.
0: Well, Gradia, for example, so the person that he fought this weekend, has a record of 10 wins, 14 losses and five draws. And well, they, do you know what I mean? And like, 41 as well. The only argument... i could game, probably beat probably
1: <laughs> from that from that record. You spinning know what I mean? around while
0: you're doing it. Um, the only argument would be that he went the uh, eight-round distance with Dan Aziz, who obviously was was headlining, and, and Dan Aziz couldn't take him out, but Whitaker could while also taking the piss. I think um, Tony Bellew was on TalkSport talking about him and had basically said, oh, I really enjoy watching it, I think he's, he's very entertaining, I think he's a very good boxer, but I tell you now, if someone had done that in front of me while I was boxing someone, I'd have chased him down the ring and I'd have made sure that I would have sparked him out immediately. And like you say, if he steps up against anyone that's in the top 10 rank and tries to spin round or do a dance in front of him, unless he is the greatest boxer of all time, he's going to end up flat on his ass. He's not that
1: good either as well. As you say, he's doing well. He's on the rise. He's got obviously a lot of scope to get better, but it's not like he's one of these, you know, certain guys come through from, you know, the Olympics, like some of these Cuban guys that go under the radar that you think this guy is literally going to be one of the best ever. Um, he's not that. And as you say, I, I, I get the feeling he's probably playing the game, which is build his um, reputation, get 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 some viewers and get some uh, attention. But as you say, I'll tell you now, he carries on like that against someone who's of a, moderate to good level and he's getting his ass whipped and exactly like you say if you're if you're another boxer you are going to be even even more inclined to turn on and lay him out you know in in, you know you'd almost even wait got maybe start slow right come on do one of your fucking whatever dances it is then wham get yourself up off off the off the canvas now asshole so i feel like um it's got a shelf life, and uh, it's it, it's how quickly do they bump him up in terms of opponents is the question? How you know going from a fighting ten and fourteen is a shit record, you know? Right, put him in against someone who's t- twelve and two, do you know, something like that. You know, you you want a, a serious bump up in in levels realistically if we're going to see him to you know a, a test of what he can actually do.
0: He'll get another lower journeyman, I think, next, because obviously he is part of Boxer's stable and Ben Shalom's stable, so he wants to keep this hype train going, a little bit like we talk about with UFC and, and Dana White and not wanting to throw someone to the Wolves immediately. But the best matchup that I could see him in terms of his first real big fight would be Dan Aziz. So Dan Aziz coming off the back of uh, a loss against Bawatsi and a hard-fought loss in that, it would be a very, very big fight and Bouazze has the power to spark someone out. So if he's able to showboat and take the piss against someone like... uh, Not Bouazze, sorry, Aziz has the power to, to knock someone out. If he is able to showboat against Aziz and take Aziz out, then people will start thinking actually he's the, the real deal. But I'll leave that with you. I'll let you have that as your homework. I'll let anyone else obviously listening as well have it as the homework. for. Thanks, Christmas. Dad. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'll, I'll obviously check it and make sure that it's all marked correctly and stuff. But um, we'll be back next week anyway as our normal uh, schedule. It's obviously just been a little bit of a, a busy few weeks. We've got things to do, obviously. We're very popular in his lives, as you can imagine. But we'll be back next week. And as always, thanks very much for listening.